This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to St. Paul's. We're so excited to have so much special music this morning, especially the Sunday school children singing. This past weekend, many people around our country celebrated death. Skeletons, zombies, tombstones. And don't get me wrong, Christians can, to the glory of God, dress up and eat candy. That's okay. But we have so much more to celebrate. We have life. Life that God gives us through his son right now. Life that God gives us in Christ for all eternity. That's what we'll hear more about today as we celebrate Saints Triumphant, All Saints Day, the resurrection of the dead that is ours in Christ. We'll follow along with the order of service as it's printed out for you in your worship folders and projected on the screen. Please note that for the third and final stanza of Jerusalem the Golden, the congregation is invited to stand at that point.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power. The day of the Lord is approaching, therefore let us repent of our sins. Almighty God, we are weak and sinful. Forgive us when we doubt your eternal plans for us, that we may cling in faith to your grace. Grant that in these last days we remain true to your holy word. Help us, O God, our Savior, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and forgive our sins for your name's sake. God has spoken. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Therefore, your sins are forgiven. Live without fear of punishment as you await the Lord's return. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? I know that I am the universe, and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable.
Dear friends, now we are children of God. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. They are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Hallelujah. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Living God, your almighty power is made known chiefly in showing mercy and pity. Grant us the fullness of your grace to lay hold of your promises and live forever in your presence through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated as the Sunday school students come up for their anthem.
a reading from the final chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22. These words will serve as the basis for our sermon today. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. The word of our God. Continue with the solo. Thousand generations. 
Gospel according to Luke chapter 20. Our God is the God of the living, and the resurrection of the dead is ours in him. Some of the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children... The man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless. The second and then the third married her, and in the same way the seven died, leaving no children. Finally the woman died too. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be, since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, The people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. But in the account of the burning bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead but of the living, for to him all are alive. This is the gospel of the Lord. We confess our faith in our living God using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated for our next hymn.
Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the resurrection and the life. Amen. God's word we consider in our sermon today, the lesson from Revelation 22. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. One of the things I enjoy and look forward to every week is the login screen on my computer. Because there on that screen, and it changes every couple days, is some amazing picture from somewhere here around the world. There will be expansive bridges from over in Asia, or towering waterfalls from Africa, or lush, thick forests from South America. There might be picturesque landscapes from along the edge of the Great Lakes or the vast Grand Canyon out west, colonial landmarks out east or mountain castles over in Europe, or maybe a busy night scene from a major city somewhere around the world with cars zooming around and the nightscape from the, the skyline of that city. Just beautiful pictures. And it kind of makes you want to go there. To see what it would like if that would come to life. To be there in person. To go on a trip to one of those destinations around the world. Now most of us would not get over to Asia or Africa. And very few of us would get to all of those places. Those places are expensive to go to. You have to rearrange your schedules and your responsibilities. It takes time. And as we age, we get less and less mobile to go on extended trips like that. But today, the Lord himself gives you and me a sneak peek at the most breathtaking picture ever. And he urges us, picture yourself in heaven where there is life from the Lamb, where there is lack of any curse, where you'll have light with the Lord forever. In the book of Revelation, angels are quite active. We see angels pouring out disasters on the earth and praising God and the Lamb. We see them sounding trumpets and showing John the holy city. But here it's an angel that shows John this amazing picture in Revelation chapter 22 where John gets to see in heaven the river of the water of life and the tree of life. And these images really harken back and remind John and us of what it was like back in the beginning in the Garden of Eden in paradise. There in the Garden of Eden, there was a river that flowed from Eden that watered all of the plants and all of the trees there. Yet here in heaven, the river of the water of life flows from God and from the Lamb. That's really where all life flows from, isn't it? It was God in the beginning who created the heavens and the earth and all life. And through the Lamb, Jesus, all things came to be through him as well. And even more importantly, life is regained and preserved for us 
Through God and through the Lamb, life flows to us from him, from God who sent his one and only Son, Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Life truly flows to us from God and from the Lamb. And what amazing picture for life, the picture of water. It's been used throughout the Bible. In Isaiah chapter 55, Isaiah calls out to all who are thirsty, come and drink, come and Partake of the waters, drink deeply of them for free at no cost. In Psalm 46, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy city where the Most High dwells among his people with life. Or Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman. Ask me and I'll give you living water that will well up to eternal life. And our baptisms too. Or through that washing of rebirth and renewal, God gives us life, eternal life. Yet this water of life is not just a trickle, not just a few drips. It's a river that flows, that that gushes, that moves steadily. There is enough water of life here for all who come. The Lord has given life, one life, for all people. And that water of life is clear as crystal. No pollution, no imperfections. It's clean and clear. What an amazing picture of the river of the water of life. And there also, the tree of life. It's a little bit difficult for us to grasp exactly where this tree was situated, whether it spanned both sides or whether it was just viewed from both sides, and it was situated between the great street of the city and the river of life. But there, the tree of life reminds us of the Garden of Eden too, where Adam and Eve could eat fruit from any tree in the garden except the ones in the middle. There was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And after Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were banished from the Garden of Eden. The Lord stationed a cherubim with a flaming sword flashing back and forth so that no one could come back and eat from the tree of life and live forever, fallen in sin, in that cursed condition. Yet here in heaven... In paradise restored, there's no tree of the knowledge of good and evil anymore. No chance of falling back into sin and dying again. Only the tree of life. For those whose life has been restored through the Lamb, they can eat of that tree forever. Life forever in heaven. The 12 kinds of fruit. There really are no seasons or months in heaven It's everlasting day. So that number 12 is symbolic of the church. Just as in the Old Testament, 12 tribes, and the New Testament, 12 disciples, they're in heaven. God paints the picture of healing for all of his people, of every nation, forever. What an amazing, breathtaking, captivating picture there in heaven. Life from the Lamb. It has that been the picture that's been most prominent in front of us? Is that what we daydream about? Is that where we look for our happily ever after? No, if we're honest with ourselves. We are so often caught up in pictures here in this life. 
picturing myself with more money or a better job, more flexible, higher pay, picturing ourselves with more land, picturing ourselves with a great looking spouse who's good looking and humorous and funny, picturing ourselves with that championship trophy, successful children. Picturing ourselves with the big buck in the bed of our truck and the cooler full of fish. Now these are pictures that our gracious God gives to his people here as he desires. But we fail to see the big picture when we live for all those other pictures and forget and fail to remember our obituary picture. It might look nice, with a suit or a dress, but it's death. The scene of a graveside, the hole in the ground, because of our sin and the wages of our sin, which is death. An empty spot at the kitchen table, an empty spot in the bed, an empty gap in the picture with your family and friends in the years to come. When we live for pictures here, we miss the big picture. And if we continue to do that, we'll be left out of this picture here in paradise, dead and alone forever. But God pictured you in this scene. He sent the Lamb, Jesus, the Lamb of God, who by his sacrifice you have life. This lamb who is no longer dead, he is risen and ruling. He gives you life freely. That life flows to you week after week in his word, by your baptism, in the supper, by his grace. And that lamb's crystal clear, pure, sparkling life is yours by faith. God gives that to you because that lamb hung on the cross. This picture here in eternity can hang in your heart and is held by your future because that lamb took your place here in this picture of death here. You have a permanent place in this picture of life, this amazing picture. So yes, picture yourself in heaven because of life from the Lamb, but also because of the lack of any curse that you will have there. Now when little children ask about heaven, and even adults too, we want to know what it's going to be like. What will be there in heaven? Yet God, in so many places in Scripture, seems more concerned with telling us what it will not be like. And that can be frustrating at times. Don't just tell us what won't be there. What good is that? Well, ask a child who's been abused how it would feel for their tormentor to leave and never come back. Ask someone who's thrown their back out what it would feel like to be able to move and stand and walk around freely without pain again. Ask someone with arthritis whether they would appreciate being able to knit and sew and work with their hand tools out in their garage again. Ask someone 
who's made a mess of their life in shambles, and they're constantly weighed down by guilt, whether they would like to be free of that or not. What we long for and what we hope for and what we look forward to so much is to be free of the sadness and suffering that we have here in this world. All of that came because of the curse of sin. When Adam and Eve, after they took and ate that fruit, a curse took hold in this world. So many aspects and facets of that curse. There's hostility between those whose father is the devil and followers of the Lord. So that there's persecution, canceling of Christians, bombings around the world. According to one estimate that I read, up to 400 Christians a day killed around the world because of their faith. And there's problems in relationships, too, between husbands and wives, in families, domestic disturbances, domestic violence, dysfunction in families, siblings that fight and feud. There's pain and prickliness in our work. Work is difficult. It's thorny and toilsome so that If you work out in the fields, if the land is part of your work, there's droughts and diseases, floods and famines, shortages and surpluses that make life difficult. But no matter where you work, unbearable bosses, conniving co-workers, indifferent employees, cranky customers, technology that malfunctions and machines that break down, Work, work, work throughout our lives. It's miserable. And then we return to the ground from which we came. Here in this picture of paradise, there will be no more curse. John says it very emphatically in the original. He says, every curse will not be anymore. No effects of the curse anymore. So we will be free, free of bothers and burdens, free of suffering and sadness, free to serve. We don't know exactly what that service will look like in heaven. When God made Adam and Eve, he put them in the garden to tend the trees and prune the plants and work the garden there. And it was a joyful and satisfying thing. The word John uses for worship here has to do with the worship in service to God, a worship service. So things like presenting offerings and praying and proclaiming the Lord's name and praising him. We don't know exactly what the service will look like in heaven, but it will be service with satisfaction. It will bring joy without bringing any trouble or disenchantment. We will be free there free to reign. We will reign forever and ever, which is not what we see here. Back in the beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, he said, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over all the creatures of the earth. But here, now, since sin is in the world, we don't see that. We see a deer that dart out ahead of us in the road. We're not in control there. We see diseases that affect living things. We see natural disasters, no control here, but, but there, 
we will reign forever and ever. Picture yourself in heaven where there's a lack of any curse. There's also light with the Lord. Listen again to what he says. He says, There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. That's beyond our comprehension, isn't it? That there will be no more darkness, especially now with daylight savings and the evenings going to come so much sooner. There's been darkness in this world since the beginning. Darkness hovering over the surface of the deep. On the first day, God created light and separated the light from the darkness. The darkness he called night. Yet so much in heaven we find difficult to grasp here. Just like in the gospel lesson for today. No marriage in heaven. Difficult for us to comprehend that. But think how glorious that will be with all that light in heaven. After all, light drives away fear. We're afraid of the dark. Little children are. And, and even as we grow older, when things are pitch black, we don't know what's out there. And our mind can play tricks on us. It can be scary. But there, in eternal light with the Lord, no more fear. No more terror. We'll see. Light also enables us to see beauty. Perhaps you got to see a little bit of the sunrise this morning with those beautiful hues of purple and blue and red and orange. Light. The bright fall colors in the past month. The oranges and the reds and the yellows. Or light that helps us see the creative and intricate patterns carved in pumpkins. Such beauty that light enables us to see. Well, when we get to heaven, with that light, we will be able to see all that God in his grace has prepared for us. Light also gives knowledge. In the darkness, we don't know. But with light, you can see and you know. So there in heaven, there will be no more wondering, no more wishing, no more fumbling around. We will see Clearly, we will know fully there in heaven. We will also see God's face. Now we might think, staring into the face of God, would that get boring after a while? What's the big deal about seeing someone's face? Well, try asking a toddler whether it's important to see his mother's face as she's leaving the room. That's a pretty big deal. Or ask a man on his wedding day how exhilarating it is to see his bride's face as the veil is lifted. Or ask grandparents how much they appreciate seeing the faces of their grandchildren on their devices and on their refrigerators. Ask teenagers how much they love seeing the faces of their friends hanging out together. They're in heaven we will see the face of the one who loved us before the creation of the world. The one who came into this world, stepped into time, sought us out and has joined us to himself forever. There, in this picture of heaven, we will see our best friend who listens to us anytime and has helped us out in our greatest need.
There we will gaze into the face of the one who has made us children of God to live with him forever. How glorious. And his name will be on our foreheads. What's the big deal with that? We could compare it to going to a basketball game and after the entry fee is paid, getting a stamp on our hands, that means we're there. We belong there. No one can kick us out. The entry fee has been paid. With the Lord's name on our foreheads, we belong there. We belong to him. Our ticket to heaven has been paid and no one can kick us out. The Lord's name has been on us since our baptism. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, you belong to God. He cares for you. He provides for you. He protects you. He will spare you the judgment on the last day, and the destruction, and bring you to be with him forever. I encourage you, every time you hear the blessing at the end of the worship service, that's a preview of heaven, a foretaste of glory. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. That glorious light with the Lord, picture yourself in heaven. When you're getting ready to go on a trip, what do you do? You flip through pictures of that destination that you're going to. You start setting aside money for the trip. You clear off things on your schedule. You rearrange things. You start talking about that trip with people you care about. You plan and you prioritize so that you can go on that trip that, that you can't wait for. Well, our Father in heaven has purchased and planned a trip for you and me. And he shows us a picture today in Revelation 22. Let's keep that on our schedules. Let's let our finances reflect that picture, that trip that we can't wait to go on. Let's talk to each other and to others about it so that they can go with us too. Let's continue to put our hope in the Lord who has taken away the curse and we have that eternal life without the curse to look forward to. Life in glory with light with him today and every day. Picture yourself in heaven. Amen. Please stand. Now may the peace of God which goes beyond all understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We sing the Create in Me. Father, we thank you for the saints who've gone before us, whom you have used to pass the faith down to us. Help us to imitate their faith and to look ahead in faith 
to the day that we join them in glory. We remember especially today those saints from our congregation who have entered their triumph in the past year. Ardeth Felsky, Janet Bitter, Marlene Kayser, Karen Herzog, Jermaine Doro, Leon Luce, and Arline Hoppy. Heavenly Father, each year is a gift of your grace. We praise you for the 104 years that you've given to Sherry Hansen's mother, Agnes Fremming, as of today. You are our refuge in every generation. Please grant her continued health according to your will and undying hope in your promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for the 50 years of marriage that you have given to Junior and Bev Gum as of this past Friday. Thank you for children and grandchildren, and most of all, for uniting them to you in faith. Bless their household, give them joy in you every day, and eager anticipation of the wedding feast that you've prepared for them in glory. And Heavenly Father, hear us.